Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast so Warhammer because Zinch has made it that way. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me as always, a guy so dangerous the Inquisition pay him protection money, it's Cameron. <laughs> How you doing, mate? Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, I've never harmed a flea in my life, I swear. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, we, we know. Wink. Being attacked like this. <laughs> <laughs> But you heard me say it's a special episode. And what does that mean? Well, we've got a guest for once. So introducing a guy that's known for such novels as Outer Dark, The Last Hunt, and recently Blood of Ajax. It's only Black Library author Robbie McNiven. How are you doing, sir? Hey, guys. I'm great, thanks. How's it going? Excellent. Welcome. Welcome to the realm and the ruin. My absolute um, pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much for joining us. Excellent to have you here. Um, you'll be glad to know you're the very first Black Library author that we've had on this show. So you, yeah. you oh, can have that title. Well, thank you. I'll <laughs> well, take we said that. it's you know you guys are busy. You know you you got busy yeah. schedules, so it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. true. <laughs> but no, we we would make you a little trophy. But unfortunately, all our budget goes on little gray pla- bits of plastic unfortunately yeah. <laughs> i know the feeling I know the feeling. ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, well here we go right so yeah so what i said we've got a nice little special episode for you now we're gonna I said, uh, quiz robbie on you know his background in warhammer obviously talk about some of his novels and at the end we got some uh some questions from our lovely discord listeners and people mm. on there so um so yeah we'll kick it off now robbie um Let's start with an obvious one. Uh, how did you get into Warhammer in the first place? Ha. Uh, that's a good one. I <laughs> got into Warhammer at the tender age of about seven, I think I was. Um, that nice. Back in, yeah, back in 98, I think, uh, when one of my family members gave me a little pamphlet that Games Workshop were producing at the time, which basically was just a rundown of like all the races and their like, most iconic unit. It was like five or six pages long. Um, and with that, I got a white dwarf, which, ah, I can't remember off how much issue it was. I think I'm going to say 322, but it just so happened to be like a huge bumper edition. So it had Mm. three battle reports. It had a 40k, a Warhammer and a Battlefield Gothic battle report. Oh, wow. So that just happened to be like a a big one. So (laughs) that served to get me pretty well set up for, for a fascination with the hobby and, more or less been in it ever since here we um, are today yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> very true <laughs> so yeah so what sort of edition would that have been so i'm just thinking 90 uh, that was yeah so that was uh it was 40k third edition and okay yeah yeah fantasy it, i think it was just Four? finishing on fifth fifth yeah that sounds about right um yeah. Yeah, because I think the White Dwarf I got next was the first ever Vampire Counts army book release. Before that, oh. they'd just been the undead. Yeah, so yeah. They ditched all the Kemri stuff and uh, <laughs> just became bloodsuckers, which was pretty cool. But yeah, it was. Um, mm. So I just had time to get a few of the old, the old uh, fifth edition army books, like the big old Empire one, which was super yeah, colourful. Yeah. Like that yep. art style was so bright. They were, uh, and then they, they started, they started yeah. rolling out the the layer stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny actually, yeah, because we we said about that on the show before that those those old codexes and army books were so bright and and lovely. Whereas, like I said, obviously it's got a bit more grim dark now, which is yeah, obviously yeah. the sort of direction they've <laughs> gone in. It was the nineties. Uh, so, it was the nineties. It was. Yeah, yeah. We'll put yeah. it on. We'll put it down to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so which was which was the first faction you actually properly got into? Um, it would have been Vampire Gans pretty much because, because okay, I just happened nice, to, to nice. hitch along at that time. Uh, but I think, I mean, they're my first love, but my biggest army was Chaos of All Varieties in Fantasy. Hey. Uh, I know, right? Excellent. I got the, um, Good choice. The Hordes of Chaos army book was the one I got that and was just hooked on that. So I got <laughs> warriors and demons and beastmen and all that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> all the cool stuff it's amazing it when you let's say when you're that age and you're sort of buying all this very you know grim and very demonic sort of, sort of stuff <laughs> and, and I, oh it, yeah it, <laughs> my parents were it's funny because i remember but... at that age my nan was buying or helping me buy because i was i started at sort of similar age to you to yourself robbie and it, it's it's hilarious that you sort of you're like yeah nan i want that one it's like you know that that thing with the you know with the uh the dripping jewels and and big uh <laughs> big claws and everything yes yes the whatever blood. keeps you happy 
<laughs> I know. I'm amazed I got away with it looking back, but I did, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, think, think how different your path would have been. Excellent. Right. Well, let's get on to your your writing side of things. Uh, so, I mean, I do know the answer to this because I have been on your blog and saw the answer oh. myself. <laughs> but I, uh, how did you get start, you know, to start writing for the Black Library? I, I hope the answer I give you is the same as the one I had. On the I know I've got it written. Down. I'll, I'll tell <laughs> you. Have to, you have to discover. It's like uh, it's like the Joker in the Batman films. He tells lies about so how he got the scars. It's a different story. Every so time you're, work, you're working for the circus, and then <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I I mean, as a kid, you know, I loved Black Library growing up. I was reading all the books. I think the first one I read was Warriors of Ultramar by Graham McNeil when I was about okay. eleven. Yeah. So um, yeah, love that. But then they also held competitions for writing for them, the open window, which they, they still do. It's not quite once a year, but it kind of just randomly roughly falls every two or three years. Um, so I was entering those as a kid. I think the first one I entered was when I was 13, which obviously was a bit speculative. But uh, <laughs> I just kept doing that. And then eventually I hit the jackpot, I guess. Um, that was about, I think it was nearly four years ago now. So I entered as per usual and this time they actually said yeah we like the stuff um you've been doing this for so long please just stop they claim to they claim yeah. to not not keep the files from the previous year so no they pretended they didn't mm. know it was me but uh <laughs> yeah. yeah they they liked it and asked if i wanted to do well the first thing was a short story which went down fine i think mm. and it just has been going ever since yeah Excellent. I mean, it must. Yeah. How did it like? How did it feel when they sort of said yes? Really surreal. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, I was on the uh, at the time I was studying in Glasgow, doing my masters, but living in Edinburgh. So I was on the mm. train going back to Edinburgh after a day at, at uni, and just checked my emails, and they were like, "Yeah, it's good, and we'd like to take you on board." I was like, "What?" So I just, I just sat there and stared for about ten minutes at my phone, like, "What?" Um, <laughs> But then it's kind of, it's a bit more slow burn in so much as they don't just immediately say, here's a Horace Harrington novel to write. Like, yeah. they, you have to, you know, they test you with a short story first initially. And yeah. You have to yeah. kind of like prove yourself. So there was a, still a lot of doubt at the time, but it, yeah. yeah, it's all gone smoothly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How, how, I was going to ask, how, do you, how does that feel now? Like, you know, do you, because obviously, you, you know, this is years on and you've obviously written, you know, multiple novels since then. Do, I know, do you still get that nerves, you know, when you start writing something? Um, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It's obviously a lot easier, <laughs> a lot less nervous, but the, the honeymoon period is kind of over in so much mm. as now you really start to focus on what you want to write, where you want to take your career, essentially. But I still definitely get, as well as the nerves, I also get a, a buzz every time. Yeah. I start yeah. a writing project because that is what I love doing. Um, they always say you should always write for the enjoyment of it ahead of actually writing was trying to make a career out of it because you mm. won't make that much money as a career. <laughs> if you enjoy it, then from the start, you know, you're, you're set for, for continuing. Yeah. yeah. No, that, no, that makes yeah. perfect sense. I mean, it's, I suppose it's like yourself, Cameron, because obviously you, you enjoy writing uh, fan yeah. and some things. Yeah. I mean, Gav Thorpe liked one, some of your bits, didn't he? One day I'll get around he? to submitting something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I no, used that's... to write fanfics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the highlight of last year for me. So we'll yeah, see where it yeah. goes from there. <laughs> yeah. You framed it on the fridge, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's excellent. Um, I mean, I was going to ask actually, so where, you know, where do you actually sort of get your in- inspiration? You know, do you, oh, sorry, let me reword it. Do you get your inspiration from non GW or Warhammer related stuff to write the Warhammer novels? Um, it's a mixture. So. I mean, there's so much lore in 40k, obviously, and, yeah. and fantasy that yeah. you, that that is a source of inspiration. Like, but I also, kind of ironically, the genre that I read most widely in is not sci-fi; it's historical fiction. Because, yep. I mean, okay. my yeah. degrees at uni are all history-based. Yeah. Um, so that was when I was a kid. Apart from Black Library stuff, that was what I read for the most part. So. Uh, yeah, I get quite a lot out of that. Authors like Ben Cornwall and Connie Gold and Simon Scarrow and stuff. And being the fact that that's all sort of historical military based, I guess it feeds fairly well into 40k, which yeah. draws yeah. a lot from, you know, military history. So, uh, I guess it's a useful crossover to have. 
Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I mean, you sort of, you touched upon obviously that you you know you're not always doing sci-fi and you're obviously doing historic stuff. Do you, does that sort of influence you when you've you know because obviously you've written obviously some big. 40k novels but obviously you've dabbled in this aos side of things do you you know do you have a preference or is it sort of you know you just enjoy both uh, that's it's really tough i've <laughs> i mean i've done so much more 40k than aos i've just yeah. done my first age of sigma model and so i've got mm. six 40k ones um so when <laughs> when i did the age of sigma one that was such a you know it was a really refreshing change um mm. so i guess mm. you could say in that sense i enjoyed it more but if i'd done six age of sigma novels and suddenly wrote my first 40k novel then i'd be saying that the 40k yeah. novel was the refreshing yeah. change so yeah. um <laughs> yeah if it was all balanced out and i'd done equal amounts and i'm not sure i, I couldn't possibly pick a favorite because no. they're both, both really fun that's fair enough yeah, i mean <laughs> it, it did make a change though to not write about you know bolters and power armor so that was, that yeah. was fun <laughs> yes yeah fair enough fair enough <laughs> i mean do you do you um i suppose do you approach them differently you know because obviously knowing that like you just said 40k has got you know years and years of established knowledge where obviously from the aos side of things obviously things are relatively new i know obviously you've got you know things that hark back to warhammer fantasy but you know did you have to approach it you know the the sorry the aos stuff any different um initially a little bit it's kind of a bit more settled now because it's been uh, what i don't even know how long has aos been out now? About three years three years three, three, three years, four years. Four years. Yeah. it was yeah. basically about the same time when i started writing but um yeah. The first Age of Sigma thing I did was a short story called Heartwood, which was um, about when the Sylvaneth came out. It was about the Sylvaneth. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. so they gave me the work in progress for the, the battle tune for that. And I was super nervous about writing that because that was, you know, <laughs> I'd make sure I read every single page because, you know, yeah. it's the, literally the start of a brand new um, creation, essentially, yeah. within the Age of Sigma world, mm-hmm. which itself is brand new. So that was kind of high intensity but yeah. i feel it's settled a bit more now that you can kind of do what you would do for a 40k or i imagine an old Warhammer fantasy novel where you just pick through the relevant lore and you don't feel like you have to know every single thing about it um, yeah. especially since yeah. age of sigma has such freedom because it's such a big world you know it's way bigger than um mm. fantasy was so you yeah. kind of if you can do the same thing you do in 40k where you can invent a little corner if you want to and mm. you know your rules go in that corner as long as you don't break the the overarching rules and yeah um, so i think in that way it wasn't sorry. actually so different <laughs> no no i get no that makes i'm sorry i'm just laughing because i almost every episode i always say with aos there's the there is no rule book because you've got so much yeah. freedom and you can literally you can create anything and it's you've sort of echoed what i, what I keep out you know probably yeah, people are bored yeah, of me yeah. saying that but yeah no that's that makes <laughs> absolute perfect sense i mean did it did it sort of feel, it must have felt quite exciting when you like you said when you're talking about that uh, little novella where you know in connection to the sylvaneth that you know you're being part of a new race you know as a, a new faction that must be you know because obviously as us as warhammer fans there's nothing to me anyway there's nothing better when something new comes out you know we're like you know like in recent times the the ideneth deepkin for example we're like you know completely yeah. fresh completely new never been seen before and you know so obviously with the sylvaneth yes they obviously have connections to you know the old old school wood elves but obviously it is still a brand new faction it must be quite odd and quite exciting as a as yourself as a warhammer fan sort of being part of that process yeah, it's, it's definitely really exciting to be doing something that you know, if it, if it goes the way, you know, 4K or fantasy did, that it would be going on for decades. Um, <laughs> yeah. so being at the start of that is, is definitely exciting. There's also a strange, a strange mismatch as well, though, in so much as it was all brand new and that must be the experience of someone that's just come into the hobby for the first time, which is not something I've mm. experienced for like 15 years. So, um, I had to, you know, you kind of just take everything for granted when you, when you're writing, say, a 40k novel, because you know the law yeah. to yeah. such an extent that you don't have to wrap your head around, you know, you just write Adeptus Mechanicus and everyone knows what that means. Whereas with this, yep. uh, learning what the Sylvaneth were all about and how they did things and what the, the realm of, um, I've forgotten which realm they come from. Wow. 
Uh, <laughs> um, oh god, it's uh, the wood Gyron. realm. Gyron, the yeah. Wood, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what Gyron was like? Um, <laughs> There'll be a short test at the end, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> that foresty place. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Learning yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> learning all about that was um, it was interesting because it gives you like a fresh perspective, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, so I was going to say, is there, you know, do you feel there's something in the law, whether it's sort of 40K or AOS, do you think there's something that needs working on? You know, like, you know, there's a particular little either faction or something, a, a war, you know, that like, oh, yeah, we could do with, you know, Black Library really could do with concentrating on that at some point. That'd be, you know, anything like that? So, yeah, I did feel there was um, an unexplored corner of 40K, but then I wrote the Carl Carradine novels, so... Well, yeah. there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you just? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could say the same for Age of Sigma, though. I mean, I I came to writing um, Scourge of Fate because I thought Chaos was cool, basically, and the yeah. Varen guards are the new Chaos cool boys, so they deserve mm. a novel, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I've still got things that I feel could be explored more than you might see them appearing in print at some point soon. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, I was going to say, uh, I mean, would you like to get more involved in the sort of Horus Heresy side of things? Is that like an option? Um, yeah, I mean, every Black Library author really wants to break the Horus Heresy because it's such a... Mm. You know, it's the prestigious band and it's just become so good yeah. down the years because uh, Black Library have, have handled it so well. Um, I did mm. get my one audio drama with Percy Rabo, uh, which was a lot of fun to do. <laughs> nice. Um, <Sony laughs> where, uh, you know, it's him just pissing off some Imperial fists, basically. Which is what he does <laughs> <laughs> Those yellow bastards. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much, that could be the blurb description for it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, um, so yeah, I got to do that, which was great. Uh, beyond that, we'll—I don't know—we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, the Horus Heresy is—it's mm. it's the premiere. Yeah, it's—it's it's a beast, yeah. isn't it? But it's—it's—it's it's, yeah. it's done. Like I said, it's done so well. I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, I'm what? I think I'm what? Eighteen in nineteen? Yeah, no, I'm just done number nineteen, and I thought, oh god, I'm yeah. actually reading all of it, Matt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. What am I doing to myself? It's a life's work. I, uh, I remember. I remember when it started in about 2007. I think it was, and the oh. official announcement was something along the lines of, "Oh, it's probably going to be like a dozen book series." <laughs> and everyone was like, "Oh, this will be cool." And then just boosh. <laughs> God. Yeah. Wow. That's actually that's, that's that's 50 books over what 12 years. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. That's yeah. It's a bit nuts. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? It's yeah. It's, fi- it. it's 54, isn't it? And then you've got all those mm. novellas, short stories, mm-hmm. audio dramas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> epic. Um, yeah. Cameron, I was going to say, do you want to, um, mm. ask about the last hunt? Cause this is something you've read uh, recently. Yeah. Might as well, might as well move into specific things you've written. So I just read the last hunt. It was really good. I really liked it. Thank good, you. Good job. Um, <laughs> uh, it's always nice I, to hear. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I particularly liked it because I've not really read anything at all about the White Scars. Um, and so obviously this book that features the White Scars. Um, I guess we should put a mark in here. If you've not read Robbie's stuff, go read that, then come back to the episode. Yeah, um, yeah. spoilers. Because <laughs> nice. spoilers will abound uh, in various ways. So yeah. Um, so I really liked reading about the White Scars. I really liked how different they felt uh compared to the culture of a lot of chapters because i read a lot of stuff with ultramarines lately and they're cool they're great but they are kind of the vanilla flavor of space marine <laughs> um mm-hmm. so uh were a lot of the terms you got to use already established or did you create them so things like the white scars different terms for sergeants and squads and things like that the bits of chogoris language that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um good questions it's about 50 50 established and made up beforehand mm. by me uh so the actual okay. you brought up the, the sergeants of the squad leaders um mm. i did those i basically just um bastardized mongolian yeah um, <laughs> fair enough <laughs> but i've gotta do a big shout out to chris wright's horace heresy stuff because he mm. wrote the horace heresy era white scar novels yep uh, yeah. which came out before mine and they really sort of set the tone um both for the chapter and things like the language mm. um, which i was able to yeah. use a lot of his phrases from um yeah those books are just so great that yeah i basically used that or could use that as a starting point for the the chapter culture essentially and then 
try and mm. 40k if I it a little bit, but yeah, it more or less <laughs> has its roots in, yeah. in that. Yeah, awesome. I've got to get a lot to read in those then now, I guess, add it on the pile. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> really good, yeah. You can no. basically read them standalone as well, you know, it's, it's the way of the heresy, you can yeah. choose yeah. different like chunks of novels. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they're really good. Mm. Uh, now, I have to ask, uh, you seem, you must either really love or really hate Tyranids, because you put them <laughs> in everything. Um, so do you, do you really enjoy them as adversaries? Like, because you've done them everything from gene stealer cults all the way up to void combat in things like Out of Dark and stuff. Like, <laughs> why, why do you write about them so much? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it it's honestly was not intentional. I just kind of realized after I wrote Out of Dark that, oh, like... I've done Thailand mm. again. You know? um, they are actually, it's if it's a love or a hate, it's probably love because they're probably my second favorite. Or I can never mm. decide whether I like orcs or Tyranids more. Um, That's fair. In terms of like, the, <laughs> the alien races. Uh, but mm. I guess I, because I've done orcs a lot as well. When I think about it, I've done two novels now with them. So I might yeah. have to, yeah. I'm going to have to go through all my novels and short stories and compile the <laughs> best antagonist list. Um, yeah. See who crops oh, up the most. Do a, but uh, do the I said the six of the Warhammer forty thousand. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, In at number six, <laughs> I'm going to do that and see what happens. Uh, but yeah, when I because um, I read Warriors of Ultramar, like I said, was the first novel that I read for forty k. Mm. It's the tyrannids of the antagonists in that, and they were just so well yeah. written and so spooky. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I guess absolutely. Certainly in The Last Hunt, there was a bit of a homage to them, uh, to that novel, uh, mm. in, in having them. Yeah. Um, did you, did you enjoy writing in a lesser known Tyranid bioform with the, uh, again, spoilers everyone, the Dominatrix, uh, in that one? Cause that was a thing I didn't see coming cause I, I knew about them. I was like, oh, cool. This is something I've not really read about in a black library novel before. Like they yeah. don't usually go into the, the lesser known bits. Stuff. Yeah, I um I had a few questions from people who didn't even know they existed and were like, did they just let you make up like a bioform? And I was like, I wish they let me do that. There'd be a giant mm. shark tyranids that can go in space. But no, um <laughs> yeah. yeah, they uh I to be honest, I only had a very, very, very vague memory of that thing existing, but was going mm. through um the complete list of tyranid bioforms. And, yeah. uh, came across it and realized that actually that would be a pretty cool sort of plot twist mm. to include. Um, so it got an outing there. And yeah, I think, I think it worked. Um, like you say, it was fun to include something that doesn't really appear as much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was pretty good. So, yeah. Um, and did you, when you were writing initially, did you always plan out the exact details of like the the final twist, the conclusion to um Jogten Khan and his group's uh, story yeah. there? Because I was really thinking, oh, they're all going to die defending the world from Tinnerus. Maybe they'll be just in time. And then it was exactly not what I thought it was going to be. Which was <laughs> great, great writing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was actually it was really difficult and kind of ironic because when I started writing, I had this determination to never write time traveling because mm. for a writer it's the most <laughs> difficult thing to try and like keep track of which you know alternative yeah. reality you're in and what happens mm. to them if mm. they meet or if like all that sort of stuff so yeah. initially yeah. there wasn't any time traveling and then my editor mm. was like time traveling why don't we include that um <laughs> so i did uh and it was terrible because I mm. couldn't write it well, uh, but thankfully she was very patient with me and we did a lot of edits. I actually had to go down to, um, Black Library HQ to like yeah. discuss it because there was too much to discuss <laughs> over just like, you know, an email or a Skype chat. So, yeah, um, yeah. but you know, eventually we got there and managed to make the necessary changes and it made it a much better novel mm. and, uh, I think it works. I've not had anyone yet who's been like, yeah. oh, well, this <laughs> happened in this timeline, so this technically, um, it's a bit of a surprising one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but no, there I, is precedent. Um, mm. there was, uh, an old Imperial Guard novel called Desert Raiders, where it ends with a time loop and it's revealed, again, sorry kids, spoilers, um, mm. that yeah. they're all, <laughs> they're actually fighting turns in that as well. I just realized. Oh, yeah, there you but, go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's revealed that they're all sort of in this like time loop where this planet is eternally being like eaten in different timelines. Mm. So yeah, there okay. was sort of precedent in that. But, mm. but yeah. yeah, yeah, I was gonna say it seemed like 
I, I didn't know Eldar psychers were that powerful, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but no, I really liked the way that ended with, for the final time, spoilers, the the parallel universe original timeline guys going off into the webway, Jagatai Khan style. Um, uh, and so this is a question. I think I've brought up with other guests before. When Jagatai Khan comes back, <laughs> do you think he'll be an Imperial faction or an Eldar faction? Uh, Khan on a jet bike. Khan on an Eldar jet bike. <laughs> um. Yes. <laughs> that would be interesting, for sure. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I know you love that question, don't you? Uh, <laughs> look, it's, it's my favourite crackpot theory. <laughs> I mean, everyone tells me that I love jet bikes. So, mm. I mean, yeah, it's something that I should throw myself behind. Wholeheartedly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Make, make my case to the higher ups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already Everyone got an author on board. Primark. All right, he's called Robbie McNiven. Right, he really wants to write it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, uh, I must get around to actually reading this novel. As <laughs> you saying that, no, no, it's, yeah. it's good. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> no, I will. I will. Uh, <laughs> Actually, uh, talking of novels and orcs, um, let's talk about Blood of Ajax, because mm. I've had the pleasure of reading this one twice now, and <laughs> quite recently as well, and I really, really enjoyed it. It's, it, I felt it was a really strong Primaris-focused novel, because obviously they do get you know, a bit of a mixed reaction, which is going to be one of the questions I'm going to ask in a sec, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I love the the uh, sort of dynamics between the two brothers particularly as well. And and also, I I, I love the way you wrote the Orcs as well. I, I mean, I had the pleasure of listening to the audio book as well of it. And uh, I think, oh, forgive me, I forgot. I think it was John Banks who did the the yeah. uh, the voice narration for it. And he just had the Orcs, uh, you know, how you, re- you wrote them and how he, you know, said the lines was absolutely, they were how I imagined Orcs would sound. And he, yeah, he did a fantastic mm. job of that. Um, yeah, so definitely. how so how did this novel actually come about then in the first place? Um, it was essentially well, it was just after the Primaris hit more or less, and Black Library wanted to back them up by doing a bunch of novels from like the chapter perspective of different chapters receiving Primaris. So. Yep. Uh, the legacy of that is things like, um, is it Ashes of Prospero by, mm. um, uh, Gav Thorpe? Gav Thorpe. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And yep. Phil Kelly, War of Secrets. So like, yep. that's the Space World's Dark Angels. Uh, so they basically yep. said, you know, a bunch of chapters, <coughs> pick one. Um, and I got the Ultramarines. Right. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. yeah, it was, it was what I wanted to do from the start was make it a ground up rather than a top down. So the top down is Dark Imperium with, you know, Gilliman mm. and looking at the big yeah, overall yeah. view of how the Imperium yep. has changed and how the Primaris are included across the Imperium. But this was intended to be more of a, you know, like a Ghost Ghost style where it's just about a company in this case or a half company, um, doing their thing, which is fighting orcs, <laughs> funnily yeah. enough. Yeah. I mean, did, I mean, I was going to ask, did you, you know, I was hinting out about the Primaris. Did you, knowing that they've got a mixed reaction out there, because let's be honest, that you know, a lot of people love Primaris Marines. A lot of people don't because they feel it's you know it's uh, affected the law in quite a few ways. And do we need Primaris Marines again from a law and obviously a, a tabletop perspective? Did that sort of have any impact on the way you wrote it? Do you sort of feel like that? All right, I need to prove something here. Not really. Um, okay. No, it was basically just a case of these really cool new inclusion in the background. Mm, I mean, definitely, I think. I don't, I couldn't speak for other Black Library authors, but for us, it's a case of it gets to really spice up what we're, we're used to writing. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. a really interesting, uh, inclusion in terms of plot, how the Imperium is going to react to these events, um, to the inclusion of Primaris. You've really got to play with that in universe a lot, which I think has been a lot of fun for a lot of Black Library authors. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. No, that's good to hear, actually, because like I said, it's, I, I mean, you can, everyone can have obviously their different opinions on things. I I really like the idea of the Primaris Marines. I think they're a fantastic way to push the narrative forward, and you know I think they've been dealt with very well, and they've still got a lot of potential. Like I said, obviously your mm. you know your novel is obviously shown you know some real big highlights of the way they interact. They're you know highlighting obviously their armor, their you know obviously their new 
uh, upgrades and things like that. So it's, you know, whereas now, you know, like yourself, yourself and any other black library author, now you've got, you know, plenty to play with. Because like I said, we know they're getting more units. (laughs) (laughs) We know that for certain. So, you know, again, you've got plenty to play with. So no, that's, that's really good to hear, actually. Yeah, Um, it's, um, like you said, there's a lot more that can be done. I mean, I purposefully for that novel didn't create any Primaris plus regular space marine interactions because I thought that was such a broad topic it could be dealt with in its like a separate novel if there's a sequel. So the first one, Blood of Ajax, is just um, you know, Primaris comes doing their thing, but then it's a whole other ballgame yeah. if we introduce them to sort of the regular company they're attached to and how they yeah. run all all those mm. sorts of dynamics. So yeah, there's a lot to be played with. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's Years of fun to come. <laughs> so, what, so what made you go for sort of a, a family theme with uh, Castor and uh, Polixis? You know, because obviously, you know, in obviously a lot of Space Marine novels, we they obviously refer to each other as brother because you know, obviously they are as a collective. But they're you know, in this case, these the Chaplain and the Apothecary are actual blood brothers. What was sort of you know, what was what made you go that route? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, my, again, editor, to thank for that, uh, a different one from the last time editor, but yeah, he essentially came up with the idea that it would be a unique, um, angle to take it at. It's, yeah, it was, you know, wouldn't be just another Space Marine novel because it's specifically about Primaris, but he wanted, uh, something unique about it that was beyond just the, this is about Primaris, Ultramarines. Um, so I think the idea that, you could have two space marines who are literal brothers is a really interesting one. It had always been, it's one of those, you know, fun Q and A law questions, you know, is it possible <laughs> to have actual brothers? And it is, it's just never written about because I guess they're super rare. You'd have to survive yeah, yeah. the induction and then you'd have to survive as a scout <laughs> yeah. and then you'd have to end up being posted to the same company if the novel's going to be about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so they're very, 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 very rare. But they do exist, so yeah. um, it was it was fun to add that extra dynamic and try and work out how you know, as you say, all space moons in a chapter of brothers, but then there's brother brothers, and how is that? How, <laughs> how, yeah. how different is that? That's the technical term, yeah. It's in the codex of Star Trek. Super brothers. <laughs> yeah, we're brother brothers. Yeah, would he be brother 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 Castor then? Yeah, potentially. Oh, yeah. God. Brother Chaplin brother. <laughs> Brother Chaplin, brother. Brother Chaplin, brother. I mean, did you sort of feel it was a way also to sort of humanize the Primaris as well? Because obviously, again, they've, you know, for a lot of people, they felt like they've been sort of vat grown because obviously they've just been churned out of uh, calls, uh, Mm -hmm. workshops, so to speak. And obviously, this was a way, you know, a way to sort of actually know they, you know, they have you know, feelings as such, or, you know, in the sense, these two brothers, you know, one brother's trying to save his other brother, you know, from obviously a, a sticky end. So is yeah. that sort of where you're going with it? Yeah, it that is. Um, it also offers another dynamic. So we've got the opposition potentially between Primaris and regular space moons, but then within the mm-hmm. Primaris, you can create this extra tension. So most of the Primaris in the novel are, like you say, the Vat-grown, um, Mars-born, Primaris, but Castor and Polixis mm. are two of the first Ultramar-born Primaris. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, once a chapter takes over its own Primaris company, it then starts recruiting them from its homeworld. So, we have mm. multiple generations now of with the Ultramarines, you've got the Mars ones and the Ultramar ones, and there's a bit of a question in there as to how they get on, and whether the Ultramar ones could be a bit of a bridge between the regular Ultramar space marines and the Mars ones because they're a bit less alien, I suppose. Yeah, oh, um, yeah, that makes perfect yeah. sense. So that's yeah. really okay. interesting, and it gave them a sort of an even more unique slant, in so much as they're unique within the company as being brothers, but they also are unique as being among the first um, Ultramar planars. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Right. Okay. Right. Well, talking of interesting, let's let's move on to the big subject. Let's get to the. Uh, <laughs> You know what's coming. Let's go. Let's get to the car caragons. Um, <laughs> oh, those guys again. Uh, <laughs> I've been typecast. Yeah, afraid ah. so. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Well, no. Actually, that was going to. Th- I was going to say. Actually, do you, you know? Do you feel typecast? Do you you know because obviously you are now the guy in air quotes for the car caragons. Obviously, you know, like we've mentioned, Gav Thorpe. He's you know 
dark angels and they're well known for eldar and and things like that do you sort of now you're sort of known as the carcaradon's author do you you know do you do you like that <laughs> in so to speak i accept it yeah. no i'm joking uh, <laughs> i uh no I, yeah i i love it yeah i love it i would um wouldn't have done it if i didn't want to you know go in all in essentially mm, um yeah they're a really fun and interesting chapter and even if I'm always getting people sending me links to like the latest crazy shark facts, like, I don't know. I now know more about sharks than I thought I would ever know. Um, apparently they found one near Greenland that's like over 300 years old recently. So oh yeah. Yeah. Your recent shark update, guys. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I do enjoy it. Um, I would be, I would be happy writing Kakarot and stuff for many years to come. Um, I think, yeah. Mm, good mm. good to hear well, that's what good. we're hoping for that's the answer we yeah. wanted <laughs> yeah more, more would be good <laughs> yeah, yes. Immensely. <laughs> <laughs> yes please <laughs> um so yeah so with yeah with the carcaradons obviously you know throughout well both both red uh tithe and uh and uh outer dark um you know you also make a lot of reference to the type of older war gear like you know phobos bolters and mark V heresy armor you know did you know, obviously, you clearly felt that was important. You know, what, what was sort of what was your your thoughts behind that? Um, essentially, I mean, for starters, I read and reread the Imperial Armor um, Carcaradon article, which is essentially all the law we have to go on uh, yeah. in terms of their pre-existing um, backgrounds. But I mean, in in that, it's heavily mentioned about how much they're involved in scavenging and how they rely on old equipment and stuff like that. The, the Phobos Bolter, for example, is, is talked about as the most common um, pattern of Bolter they use. So mm-hmm. just making mm-hmm. sure that it was all in line with the pre-existing stuff, uh, even though there yeah. wasn't that much of it, uh, was was a pretty central concern. So that's why there's a lot of references to old power armor. But also old power <laughs> armor is cool, so that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, no, that's, that's it. Fair. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mark free for life. Uh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, no, that's that's good actually, because you know, because again, it just shows the the parallels, obviously, with you know, like we've just been talking about the Primaris Marines. It's it's there is a lot of love for the older style war gear. Obviously, you get people that are very obviously mm. still very into horse heresy, and you know, from a a tabletop and obviously a law perspective. And it's you know, per, on my, you know, personally, I find it great because I love the fact that this type of gear is still being used in the you know the current day forty yeah. k. It just sort of gives it that. <laughs> You know, and also, I suppose, for, you know, for yourself, obviously, you're, you know, from a you know, military history point of view, you know, again, does that slightly play into it as well? Do you enjoy the fact that you'll get, you know, you'll get into reference the older stuff as opposed to the, you know, the shiny new stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was Aaron who said that actually writing for 40K is more like writing historical fiction than sci-fi because there's so mm. much history, <laughs> Will. Um, you know, there's so much background and reading and all that sort of stuff that you can do that, in a sense, it has the same skill set. So uh, getting to reference um, all of these bits of kit was a lot of fun because it kind of ticked the boxes of doing research and then incorporating that into a story and making it I don't want to say like making more realistic or believable within the universe, um, mm. if you will. So yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. It also kind of tickled my, uh, memories of, uh, starting a Chaos Space Marine army when I was a kid. And obviously their armor is all like a mix match. Yep. It's very non standard. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's old stuff and new stuff. So I got to do that, but for the good guys. So that was also fun. Right. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, well, talking of shiny new stuff, um, I know you've. <laughs> there's been a bit of clarity I've seen online, obviously regarding Carcaradons and Primaris, and you know I've seen people obviously reference some of the things you've said. So what you know, I know you're obviously going to be probably repeating yourself here, but what's what's what is your you know, as the Carcaradons <laughs> Carcaradons guy, what's your official stance on you know them having Primaris? I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't make the law. I just do the like cool models. Yeah, but, of course. Um, yeah, I've no idea. Uh, it's totally up to Games Workshop how they approach um, Carcaradons. You know, whether they include Primaris or not. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. you know, people doing Carcaradon Primaris models, great. Like, knock yourself out if you want to do mm. that. You do that. It's it's your hobby. Um, I definitely yeah. wouldn't ever say to anyone, oh, well, they can't have Primaris because of this and this and this. If um, mm. Games Workshop want to clarify the, the stance, then you know that's down to them. Um, but yeah. As far as I'm concerned, do whatever you want. <laughs> um, yes, 
I mean, uh, a couple of cruisers went missing near the end of the Indominus Crusade out near exactly. the end of the galaxy. There are some Marines hastily painted grey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just think yeah. it's a normal chapter. They don't realise it's sort of like totally crazy exile chapter. They just think all oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Secret- brother. Uh, sharp teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And very, very black eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, really, the unnumbered sons were all Karkaradon secretly. <laughs> Oh, exactly. It's terrifying. Just, just obviously, they just obviously put a bit of face paint on just to hide the the, the pale complexion and put contact oh, no. lenses in. <laughs> oh, amazing! Right, um, yeah. So, I mean, with them sort of being a mysterious, again in air quotes, a mysterious chapter in general to a degree. Do you, do you sort of find it helps create a story, or do you sort of? consider it a hindrance that you don't want to give too much away you know what sort of which side of the fence does that go on uh it's definitely a lot more fun than it is a hindrance for me right. anyway good uh i think mm. less so for people to try and work it out but uh, <laughs> yes yeah. yeah you have to be careful about how much you give away because you don't actually want to give it away in this case um there's a debate to be had about whether it's better that we never find out their origins versus mm-hmm. finding out more. I think I would lean more towards never finding out, as harsh as yeah. that sounds, because I think that that is a lot of the fun involved. Um, but again, that's not up to me, so we'll just have to wait and yep. see. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do still, yeah, the novels are full of lots of little hints and um, also contradictions mm. just to create dead ends yeah. as well. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I think people <laughs> yeah. have a lot of fun uh, with that debate. Um, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah i mean i've seen a lot online obviously the the big two really is obviously who their primarch is obviously it's, there's a lot of reference to Korax. there's obviously the fact of where their gene seed is is it raven guard is it night lords is it is it a combination and i've seen people that you know like i remember obviously in, in outer dark where the ashen claws are making reference to the carcaradons being mongrels and things like that and and obviously people mm. pick up on these words i mean whether you're doing it deliberately or it's just the way the way you're wording it it's just people going oh he, he said mongrel so that must mean they're a, they've got a you know a combination of gene seeds and that must mean they're <laughs> they're raven guard and and, and uh, night lords and it's it's and but that's great though that's i think that's why you know we, you know it's part of us doing this show it's it's the fact you can take these things where there is no answer i mean we we do a lot of hypothetical situations on this show and just talk mm. about what happens if this <laughs> happened what happens at this and yeah like i said it, unlike you i i you know again I, I don't know what cameron thinks but i think that by not giving a lot of this weight forever you know like what you've just said i'd love that in a way even though that's frustrating for obviously a lot of people like no i want to know the answers <laughs> i think it's great holding on to that because as soon as you give it away it sort of it does obviously lose a bit of its mystery um is that the same for you cameron uh, yeah, more or less. Like, if there is ever an official reveal, you know, if Games Workshop HQ points at you, Robbie, and says, okay, it's the next novel for the Karakaragons, you have to reveal that they are a Death Guard successor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that'll that be cool, that'll be fine, but I, I do like that mystery, and I, I like it. It lets, I'm, I'm not assuming to know how you're choosing to write, obviously, but it, it feels like it lets you really play them off antagonistic forces as well, like for Red Tithe, obviously. They play off the Night Lords really well because they are really similar but really different at the same time. You know, like, um, the Night Lords have terror tactics as, like, an intentional thing and the Karadons are scary, not because they're intentionally going in with we have to scare our enemies to, you know, proceed here, but it's just this, it's a byproduct of we do everything efficiently, we do things quickly, we don't interact with other people at all. Yeah, <laughs> as, if we exactly. Can. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that, that playoff there and like the intrigue of they're so similar, but they're different in these important ways at the same time. I like that air of mystery about it. Like, you know, mm. they could be, they could be, hell, they could be blood angels or world eaters successes for all we know. They, they have battle frenzies and things like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That was another, that's another it's theory. All up there. I, yeah. The blood, bl- um, <laughs> being world eaters. I read that the other day because we'll see mm. that scene in outer dark with the, uh, with the, uh, Blood Eater Berserker, and and obviously they the reference that uh, you know that they could be brothers and things like that. So yeah, yeah, a lot of intrigue. Yeah, it there. was a lot of fun to do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I bet you're, you're secretly rubbing your hands like yes. I've I started mean, all I these am, debates out there. <laughs> I am to an extent, except I get tagged in them a lot of times and uh. have to just watch them. People just totally like forty or fifty comment threads on Facebook of people just having at each other and like pulling out quotes. <laughs> 
and then tagging me and being like, please just tell us. I'm like, no, I'm not telling <laughs> you. <ever. laughs> I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> That's true power. <laughs> it is. <Yeah>. It is. <laughs> cool. Right. Um, Cameron, is there anything Carcaradon related things you wanted to ask before we move on to the listener questions? Uh, uh, I don't think so. Um, do you think Tybros will ever die or is he immortal slaughter? <laughs> There, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. What if Tiberos was just a title and not a person? Oh. oh. Excellent. Now you're thinking properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I heard he I read the other day he's Korax as well. <laughs> it's, it's like Oh um, my god, that'd be a twist. Yeah. <laughs> okay, interesting theory. I mean the guy who did it got completely shut down with about hundred different <laughs> reasons, but it was an interesting read. <laughs> who knows? Uh, cool. Right. Um yeah. yeah, let's let's go on to the like I said we earlier we've got uh, a few questions from our lovely Discord people. Um, um, yeah, Cameron, do you want to go for the first one and yeah, quiz Robbie? Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll start off with uh, Smells Like Zero Spirit, uh, who has a, sort of a threefold question. It's all the same question, but it's got three question marks. Uh, do you read <laughs> the online opinions of Black Library works to gauge the mood of the fans? If so, how do you separate the trolls ranting from the actual good advice? Or do you just create the art and hope it's well received? Um, uh, I'm so glad the first question wasn't just about Karkaradans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just solid Karkaradan questions, nothing else. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, I have an answer for that, and that is that yeah. I try as little as possible to think about how it will be received, because I think that way lies madness. Um, yep. yeah, I think yeah, most, of the authors, most of the authors, you know, write something because it's you know, it's something that they have a passion for that they want to write about, or they've been asked to write about it and back it up by Games Workshop. And mm. yeah, I don't think it's a good idea really to spend any time um, trawling through online opinions to try and uh, mm. decipher what you should do next. It's uh, best to just go with what you yourself want to write and then hope that it's something that other people find interesting. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good. no, that's. Oh, I was hoping that would be the case. Yeah, because I mean, cause, I mean, whenever you create anything, whether you're, like I said, a novelist, uh, an artist, a podcaster, you you know, you do you you can easily get <laughs> you know be conscious of what people you know because obviously you want it you know an ideal world. Everyone loves what you do, but you know the reality is that's never going to happen. But like I said, if you sort of write for yourself or do it for yourself, then it's always going to be good in the set in that way, regardless, really. So no, that's a good way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even stuff like reading your own reviews sometimes is uh, not the best idea. Uh, I mean, I, I do. I recently discovered that um, my Kokaridan novels have their first ever one-star review on Goodreads. Sometimes. Oh, no. Um, it's finally <laughs> happened after two and a half years. We will make arrangements. But that's just... <laughs> <laughs> That's just um, part and parcel of being a writer, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, mm. yeah, you don't yeah. take um, anything that you know the people online are saying too too much to heart. <laughs> no, no, sensible. Yeah. No, that's yeah. really good to hear. Uh, right, the next question is from uh, Nastus Noctum. Uh, As you wrote for Dawn of War Three, what are your general thoughts on the Blood Ravens and having a traitorous chapter master affected them? Also, who do you think their Primarch is? Um, who do I think? I'm going to get back to that one and say that <laughs> I really enjoyed writing the Blood Ravens. Um, yeah, I was obviously a big Dawn of War fan. Got it when it came out. You know, the first one was amazing. Mm, um, yeah. Played it for years. Uh, so, yeah, to get to write the Dawn of War 3 novelization was a big privilege. Um, yeah. And, mm. yeah, I think the Blood Ravens are pretty cool. Uh, I remember when they first actually, they first released shots of uh, the first Dawn of War when they were still making it in the studio and they, mm. the guys in it were Ultramarines. Uh, but they said, this is just a placeholder. We're actually coming up with our own chapter for the game. And I was like, Oh, that's mm. kind of an interesting one. At the time, mm -hmm. that was pretty novel. Um, so yeah, I think they've, I mean, they've been around now for what is it over a decade? I can't remember when the first. Yeah, yeah by that. Yeah. Uh, must be well over a decade at this point. So they kind of have a pretty solid wealth of history behind them. Thanks to the games. Um, sort of the, the novel spin-offs and stuff. So getting to write them was was pretty cool. Who their Primark is, well I don't know. And I actually don't know. 
Um, should make that clear. This isn't a, <laughs> this isn't a, a yeah. character situation. Uh, I think it's someone not as crazy and out there as everyone expects. I'm gonna go with mm. Rogaldorn. No, it's not a bad one, actually. Yeah, yeah. Confirmed. Most people go you, Magnus. I know everyone wanted me to say a traitor Primark, didn't they? Like Magnus, but no, I don't. Yeah. I think that's. Yeah, I think that's an uh, overhyped theory. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there is an answer. I suppose I should really have asked that when I was writing them because I would have been. I would have <laughs> been. <laughs> I, I would have been told probably, yeah. but I just didn't mm. didn't think to, so I just didn't bother. And I guess I'll never know now. But that's right. fine. Special edition coming out. <laughs> Re edit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, okay, so Squishy Pyro, the, uh, the, the young mascot of our Discord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Um, that's a says, great name, by the way. Squishy oh, Pyro. yeah, it's a good, it's a good name. <laughs> yeah, um, he's a good lad. He says, yeah, he says, I loved Outer Dark. Do you have a Carcaridon's army? And is there any way I can get my copy of Outer Dark signed by you? <laughs> <laughs> Straight in there. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sadly do not have a Carcaridon's army, although I feel like I'm slowly assembling one because a bunch of people keep sending me like minis that they've painted of Carcaridon's. Ah, so that's really cool. And <laughs> I guess that's perks, perks yeah. of the job as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I currently have um, three little Carcaridon's. But uh, no, I'd love to do an army one day. I mean, I guess it's kind of sad the author doing an army of his own guys. But no. um, <laughs> you're the perfect person. Proud to do of it. Work. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, if if I ever found the time, I would love to. But at the moment, there is no time on the horizon. So right now, I do not have a Karkaradin's army. Hopefully, one day, um, and I'm sure I'll spam the internet with pictures of them if I ever do like a proud dad. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and as for the book i would absolutely be okay with signing that um if he messages if he's on discord i assume right yes so yes, if yeah. he just messages me on discord so i'm there yeah i'll send my address and mm -hmm. he can send it and i will sign it and send it back to him excellent oh wonderful yeah i'll make his day Good. yeah oh. i will <laughs> <Very well>. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. Okay. Uh, next question. There's, uh, there's a few parts to this one, so I'll try and break it up. So this is from Alden44 Stryker. Uh, does he ever write his uh, novels with it being adapted for the big screen? And does he ever see a Warhammer movie or TV series being produced? Um, I mean, no, I've never written specifically thinking, my God, this should be made into a film. Yeah. <laughs> it's right, you can admit uh, it, Robbie, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, people have told me that my writing style is like fairly cinematic, I guess, which yeah, um, I, would agree I with suppose that. Yeah. Would, would lean in, into that. But uh, there is a fun trick, which I like to do, um, where to come up with character descriptions for what the characters look like, you kind of just pick a famous actor and then describe him mm. without obviously ever saying that it's that actor. Um, yeah, I think yeah. Dan Abnett does that, actually. So uh, <laughs> I guess in that sense, it would be really easy to make a book into a film because they already have the actors. But mm. um, <laughs> I can't say it. I've never written anything with the idea of, you know, hoping that it would become a film. Um, would 40K work as a film? I mean, I would never rule it out. <laughs> I think we've mm. seen a load of really cool fan animations recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really love the the Space Marine one. I think it's just called the Starters. Yeah, um, yes, that one's yeah. so good. And there's, isn't oh, there so Hell's Reach? <laughs> Reach? Isn't that another one? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another one, which is yeah. really good because they've actually, I mean, they do have an animated thing in the works. Um, yeah, that was announced that a little while back uh, um, with that guy. Yeah, Richard I think Boylan? it's about the Richard Boylan. That was his name. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think they are mm. doing a sort of mini Blood Angels animated series, which I think is the way to go because with animation you can kind of I mean, you don't yeah. have a limitless budget, but it makes more sense if you want to do like spaceships and huge explosions and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. So yeah, if I if I got to choose, I would have said that an animated um, feature would probably be the way to go, and I guess they're doing that. So I'm uh, looking forward to that one and just see where it leads to. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other sort of part of his sort of second part of his question, which is sort of slightly what we touched upon earlier. Uh, can you ask the question around what species would he like to write or see more about maybe even models being introduced? Maybe if, even if it's not an existing species or one you would like to create? Ooh. Um, well, I mean, there are a lot of like tiny 
one-liner alien racism 40k that you don't really hear mm. anything about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's an insect one whose name I can't really pronounce. Uh, it's sort of like Quolids, I think. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, okay. I know um, which one. Yeah. Is it one with, yeah, yeah, with like apostrophes they and live things like on that. Yeah. A, of course, yeah. Loads of apostrophes. <laughs> uh, they live on a place called a swarm world. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and they apparently have a little empire. And I don't know why, but I always kind of just felt like they'd make cool antagonists for a, a short story or two. So I'd like to write about them mm. uh, for no real quantifiable reason. Uh, <laughs> cool is, ba- is still a very valid reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. M- more alien races is cool. So, yeah. Excellent. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then our last lot of questions are from Red Shadow. Uh, do you ever listen to the audio version of your books? Do you like them? And do you have any input on the audio versions? Um, I don't have any input on the audio versions, uh, because they do a good enough job as it is without me. And, um, yes, I do listen to them. I actually haven't really got a chance to listen to much of Blood of Ajax yet, which is kind of, um, ironic. But, uh, the, the two audio dramas, um, Vox Tenebris and, uh, Stone and Iron were a lot of fun to listen to. And, uh, the voice actors yeah. totally nailed that. So, yeah, huge credit to them, um, and just the whole production team that, that the effort that goes into that is really great. So, I think it's great that Blackfire they have the the capacity to to use that medium. Um, yeah, definitely. Continue. Mm, definitely helps. Um, and finally, from Red as well, uh, what is your favorite Warhammer novel? Uh, this is the difficult one, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a difficult one. Um, <laughs> I am gonna go with Only in Death, which. I believe is I forget the number. It's one of the later Gaunt's Ghosts ones. It's the one mm. where they end up in essentially a haunted house. Um Hinza House and have to fight the blood packs are attacking mm. them, but they also have to deal with these weird psychic visions that are maybe ghosts, maybe not. Um it's essentially like a Victorian Gothic horror novel, but also in forty K. So nice. I just yeah. love that um nice. that combination. Obviously Dan Abnett's an awesome writer, so he pulled that off perfectly <laughs> and it's, it's really spooky. Um second place I would give to Warriors of Ultramar because like I said, that was the first one I read and it yeah. got me in got yeah, me into it. So that's fair. yeah, uh if if I had to pick two novels that you should go read then I'd pick those two. Nice. Yeah. Good choice. Excellent. Excellent. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's been our discord questions thank you very much to everyone that gave us your many questions and i hope you you're very satisfied with the answers um yeah so that's been i think all the questions we've got from robbie uh thank you so much for joining us on this show it's been lovely to hear your insight on all these different things and we've tried to make it not all about carcaradons um yeah i'm impressed <laughs> we tried to keep it you know try to keep it a bit more mixed um definitely going to try and read some more of your um aos side of things as well um mm, definitely that scourge definitely. of fate i'm really gonna get around to doing that at some point so because that looks quite interesting um yeah. yeah and like i said it's been fantastic having you on the show is there anywhere you know if people want to sort of check you out online like your blog and you know social media where where would people go to um yeah the um there's a twitter unsurprisingly which is just my name because i'm not very inventive for a writer. <laughs> um, uh, there's a facebook page which is also just my name funnily enough uh mm-hmm. yeah that would probably link you into the most of the stuff i tend to post the same thing across platforms so uh yeah yeah you find one you find it all basically <laughs> <laughs> excellent uh well as i said if you enjoy our show talking about social media you can check us out on our main one which is twitter which is at realm and ruin you can also find us on facebook.com slash realm and ruin uh we've got our like i said our amazing discord server which will be in the link of the of the episode down in the notes and like i said if you want to check myself out on uh, twitter i'm on at, at ninja badger seven and um, where are you cameron uh, I'm at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Uh, come check out my cat. Yeah. She's beautiful and I love her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was worth everyone getting to the end of the show so they can check out Cameron's oh, yeah. cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, again, massive thanks to you, Robbie. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. It's well, been greatly appreciated. Thank for having me it's been really fun a lot of great questions thanks to everyone that put in a question as well and yeah, yeah hopefully yeah. we'll do this again at some point yeah, yeah. absolutely oh, we'll come back for uh Car- 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 3 
the car caradoning or whatever it's yeah. going to be called. He's going to he's going to be <laughs> yeah he's going to be flashing his uh, first uh, Black Library author on Realm and Ruin badge around as well. Yeah, so right, which, yeah. is, un- which yeah. is understandable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so hope you've really enjoyed the show, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Ta-da. Bye, guys.